Lifestylist, Episode 14, featuring Igor Malevsky. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you're familiar with this show and my lifestyle recommendations, you know that I always recommend to only drink raw, pure, unadulterated spring water whenever possible. In order to do that, you have two choices. You can go to my friend Daniel Vitalis' site, findaspring.com, which is an amazing crowdsourced free site which helps you map out and find spring water locations all over the globe. If that's not feasible for you, and you live on the west coast of the United States, you can get your water from where I get it, and that's fountainoftruthspringwater.com. Now, if you order from Fountain of Truth and use the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you'll save 11% off your first order. Now, Fountain of Truth Spring Water delivers fresh, raw, cold spring water in glass bottles directly to your doorstep. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Trust me, I've looked. So go to fountainoftruthspringwater.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, and save 11% off your total first order, including bottle deposits and stamps. Do you know what time it is right now? Right now, it is listener appreciation time. That's right. I want to remind you to download your episode upgrade. This is a fantastic, beautifully designed four-page document that I've put together for this episode with all of the links and show notes mentioned in the interview with our guest, Igor. So what this means is every time you hear something interesting mentioned in the interview, you don't have to worry about going to my website and looking at the show notes. Of course, you can always find them there. But what I like about this is you just get everything sent to your email immediately. So how do you get it? Is it hard? Is it confusing? Is it difficult? Hell no. It is super easy. Here's what you do. You go to lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist 14, enter your email, and boing, magically it gets emailed to your inbox. So once again, go to lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist 14. Just remember, this is episode 14. And that will be emailed to you. And I love being able to provide these to you guys. I want to tell you something. I'll be honest with you. It's a lot of work to put all of these links together because, you know, they're active links for every single thing that we talk about that's worth mentioning or at least worth visiting on a website. And it's also quite expensive to have them designed every week. So right now I'm kind of taking the hit because I just think it's an awesome idea and I really want to get this information to as many people as possible. So while they're free... Get them while they're hot, baby. And please uh, remember to share them with someone that you love. You know, you get this PDF in your inbox, forward it to five of your best friends that you think won't be pissed off by you doing so. And while you're at it, I have two asks in place of that one (laughs) favor that I'm doing you. It's two for one, but you're getting way more than what I'm getting. What I'd like you to do is subscribe to this show so you don't miss any episodes, including next week's episode, released next Tuesday, which is number 15, featuring Ben Greenfield, who's a huge podcaster in the uh, fitness arena. So Ben talks about actually not fitness in that episode. It's all about how to biohack a healthy home. So it's, it's every length that he's gone to, and it's pretty extreme, to make his perfect mountain retreat healthy for him and his family. 
So that's next week. Don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe. So that becomes impossible. And then the last thing I'd like you to do is go ahead and just forward this episode or this podcast to a friend. Click on share somewhere on your device, somewhere on your screen, and just text it, tweet it, email it to someone you know, so that this info gets out. It's really important that the world becomes aware of some of these things that are causing us so many health problems. And that said, that's uh, that's the end of my commercial. So thanks so much for listening, and we will hear from you soon. The sound you're hearing right now is the Lifestylist Podcast with Luke Story, here to bring you another amazing episode with today's guest, Igor Malevsky. Now, Igor is an expert on all things water filtration. And you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, that I'm basically obsessed with water, okay? So Igor and I take a deep dive into the subject of municipal tap water. And I think you're going to be shocked surprised, and probably even grossed out when you find out not only where your water comes from, but where it's been and what's actually in it. It's pretty nasty. So we're going to explore this subject in great detail today and help give you some great strategies and some ways that you can help mitigate the risks involved in your exposure to tap water. After having your mind blown by this episode, I'd like you to do a couple things. First off, subscribe to this show so that each week when I release a new episode, it's automatically downloaded into your podcast app. Next, go into iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. This is a great way to give us feedback and let us know what you want to hear. Lastly, jump over to lukestory.com and subscribe to my newsletter. This way you'll get notified anytime I release any great new audio or video content. And while you're at it, click on the podcast tab and take some time to review past shows and all of the links that we provide in the show notes. So sit back, enjoy the show with Igor Molevsky. Welcome to the show, Igor. Oh, thank you for having me, Luke. I'm really excited to talk to you today because you are a, in my estimation, a water expert, if not a super water geek. And (laughs) and I mean that in in the highest sense. And water is something that I really am constantly working on optimizing with my clients and and friends because, you know, it's just what we're made of. And as I always say, when we travel out into space and land on other planets with our little rovers, the first thing we're looking for is water. You know, it's right. It's the basis of all life. Exactly. And I find that it's it's shocking to me that people have no idea, you know, what water they're drinking or bathing in or using for cooking and what could possibly be in it. So I'm um, I'm thrilled to kind of talk to someone who really knows, you know, some of the science behind this and has some expertise uh, in this area. I'm thrilled to talk to you about this too. Cool. Okay, yeah. so you're you're out in New Jersey, is that right? Uh, close, New York. New York. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard of New York. <laughs> 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 that you know, because I'm I want to get into some of the different you know the different uh, municipal water systems in different cities. So I was just making sure I had you on the right coast. Oh, I so, see. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm in Hollywood, right? I, I live in Los Angeles. I've been here for a long time. And the the water that we get out of the tap here is, in my opinion, not something that ideally you would want to put in your body. You know, so I, I have a scale for, for the water in my, in my personal life and the clients that I work with. And that is at the very top of the scale would be pristine, fresh, raw spring water that comes directly out of a mountain. And that's the water that I drink. I collect it myself, and I have a friend that also collects it and then delivers it. 
uh, to myself and some friends and colleagues. And then, you know, down the food chain would be maybe a, a, a bottled spring water in glass that you don't have to go get right. yourself, but there's no plastic bottle. And then maybe some really high quality spring water that comes in plastic. And then after that maybe would be, um, you know, a highly filtered tap water. And then at the very bottom of the food chain would just be tap water, you know, right out of the right. sink. And, <laughs> and then in terms of, of bathing and cooking and hot tubs and pools and everything else like that. I mean, I'm not going to waste precious spring water to wash my feet. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? But right. uh, then it would be, you know, having really good filtered water. So I'd like to start at the level of tap water. And I know your company, Pure Effect Filters, who I'm a big fan of, uh, specializes in various filtration methods and systems and things like that. So if I'm living in LA, do you happen to know where this water comes from? Uh, I believe it's uh, it's processed uh, processed water. Um, I'm not 100% sure on what the sources are. I know in New York, they're uh, taking sewage and they're reprocessing it. And a lot more communities are starting to do that, especially where water is scarce. So they're basically just cleaning it out, disinfecting it, and then sending it back into your faucets. Uh, and sometimes it's a mixture of sources. It can come from lakes, rivers, and, uh, you know, recycled water. So uh, it depends on the county specifically and, uh, you know, the, the area that's uh, in your district there. Right. So when you say that water's recycled, so I guess what I'm getting at is not, is not so much specifically, oh, what river does it come from or what reservoir or the original source of it? Because I think in LA, it, it comes from a few different places based on availability, right. according to my understanding. So I'm not as concerned so much, say, in LA, where the water originally comes from, because I think we get it probably first from some different sources, reservoirs, rivers, et cetera, based on availability. But what, what trips me out about what you just said is that the water is recycled sewage. So in a municipality like Los Angeles, and I'd like to also eventually find out what goes down in New York too. Um, so rather than wasting new water, so to speak, and, and having to bring in more water, what's happening is I go to the bathroom in the toilet and I flush it and that water is recaptured somewhere and then sterilized and has all of that waste matter removed and then comes back out the tap somewhere else in someone else's sink. Yes. As oh bad as God. that sounds, I actually been to the plant. I saw the, st the stages that the water goes through, and it's not pretty in the first stages, especially. <laughs> and uh, as it moves through the different uh, processes, there, uh, it comes out crystal clear, and then they add all the chemicals and chlorine and everything else to it. Um, but it's you know we don't know what other byproducts are formed in that process that you know science hasn't yet discovered because you're messing with nature. And uh, as from what we see, humanity doesn't really know much uh, because we make a lot of mistakes. And especially um, when you're limited on funds or when the government has uh, limited uh, resources to deal with that. So, you know, the laws are like from 1980 and 1970 to deal with water treatment. You know, there's, there's a lot of potential chemicals in there that we don't even know about. So what's interesting to me about that concept and i you know I, I understand necessity breeds invention so if there's just no more water to bring into the la basin and we're you know running low and the resources that we have are limited then it makes sense from that point of view but that said uh i'm also someone who's very oriented 
mm-hmm. into nature and into just energy. You know, everything's made of energy. And, you know, I err on the side of being a bit woo-woo about things. And mm-hmm. to me, it's very disconcerting to think about the fact that we have 10 million people in LA. And if I drink a glass of tap water that potentially I'm picking up, you know, I'm going out there, okay? I'm picking up the vibrations of however many thousands or millions of people's systems, digestive systems, mm-hmm. that that water's been through already. I mean, leaving aside just the contaminants and, you know, all of that, I mean, that's just a really strange thought to me. Yeah, it may not even be water at this point because it's the energetic structure is not the same as it is in nature. Uh, the chemical structure is not the same. There, It's been inundated with chemicals, um, various uh, pH stabilizers, rust inhibitors, and chloride, chlorine, ammonia, things like that. And those create other byproducts. So it's definitely, in my view, that's not how I would define water. And then, yeah, exactly. It's maybe uh, some form of pharmaceutical uh, H2O at best, right. right? Yeah, some kind of chemical cocktail with water in it. <laughs> right. So. so, okay, so... Just to, I want to understand how this works mechanically from a layman's point of view. So I flush the toilet. There's some, let's just call it solid waste matter in there. That travels down through the building into the main sewage system, uh, pipes, uh, you know, on my street, and then into a big processing plant, right? Yes. And yes, then there's that. a, and then, and then what happens to it? Well, the first step is really large metal mesh screens. Uh, the first screen is the largest uh, to catch the largest particles because there's going to be sticks, paper, you know, all types of gross matter that's large that needs to be captured first. So there's a first screen that goes through. Then there's a few other screens that are, you know, gradations smaller and smaller until uh, all the, you know, uh, gross matter is taken out. And then the water is just, you know, it's really like slime. It's brown and it's uh, pretty thick. And it's going into the uh, other tanks where it's being either ozonated uh, or it's being uh, actually treated with uh, bacteria. There are certain bacteria that break down um, this contaminants in the water. Uh, or they're doing uh, flocculants, which are basically uh, special chemicals that cause the, the small particles that are pretty much, you know, couldn't be stopped by the screens, causing them to condense. So they can be easier, it's taken out easier out of the water. So it's a certain chemical process to get rid of those particles. And then the water becomes more fluid and more uh, transparent, you can say. And that's when the chemicals start to to be added to that. What I want to know is who is the guy that is cleaning the first screen (laughs) (laughs) uh not i don't uh i don't know but you know i I feel bad (laughs) i'm picturing i'm picturing someone in a hazmat suit out there with a giant rake who's just scraping up poo covered condoms (laughs) i'm getting like a really horrendous picture here oh yeah that's there too you know everything people flush in the toilet things that go in a sewer i mean it's it's all there (laughs) and then what's comes out the other end of this that that we're told by the municipalities and by the government that this water is is safe, right? Um, I mean, to me, there's a it's a fine line between safe. Safe means that maybe it won't kill you if you drink one glass of it, but what happens when you drink that treated water that was inside many people's other bodies and brought along with it um, things that can't be filtered out, which we'll discuss. 
what happens after 60 years of drinking that water? And, you know, what's really weird too, is I think even a lot of people here that are very health conscious, you know, friends and people that I work with, they would never think to drink just raw tap water, but they will buy bottled drinks and, you know, maybe even healthy type kombucha or, you know, organic sodas or like organic beer, wine, whatever it is, so many other products that are actually made of tap water. And if you look at the ingredients, it just says water. And you look at that and you go, oh, that's innocuous. I mean, that's, there can't be anything wrong with that water. I think it's, most people don't have a grip on the fact that most of the, the, the packaged drinks that they're buying are also made with tap water. And while one might not like drink water straight out of the tap, they're drinking plenty of it because they're drinking drinks made out of tap water from God knows what city. Yes, occasionally you'll see filtered water on the ingredients and that's a good sign. Usually it just says water, yeah. And that's probably tap because they're cutting costs. You know, they don't want to go through the extra step, but if they do, they usually like to advertise it. That's another thing that I find a bit suspect too. And, you know, a lot of people think I'm paranoid, but... Like I said, it's it's a scale. Everything is like a spectrum for me. I'm going to go for the most optimal water or, t- you know, if I want a tasty drink, if there's one that has triple filtered water, I'm going to drink mm-hmm. that before I drink one that just says this sort of nebulous filtered water. It could be a Brita filter or I mean, no offense to Brita, but right. it could be a, a filter that's very ineffective and isn't even really removing anything except the smell, right? You see a lot of filters that say, uh, removes the smell of chlorine, and it's it's yes. it's very tastes and odors. Yeah. yeah, tastes and odors. So it's 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 a it's a very coy kind of way to uh, you know describe the filtration. And it actually, it's funny. Just yesterday, I was um, about to buy some bone broth at a place, and it's all grass fed, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I asked the woman behind the counter uh, what water is used to make the bone broth because that's ingredient number one. And she was like. Sure you know what? I don't know. And I said, well, I'd really be interested in buying some, but I want to know where the water comes from. Like the company that I order my uh, grass-fed beef from and my bone broth is called Arizona Grass-Raised Beef. And Mm -hmm. I inquired with the owner, I went and met him at a conference. I said, what's the water? And immediately he was hip to it. You know, I said, it's triple filtered well water. And I'm like, that's pretty good. Sure, sure. You know, so... I mean, what kind of water are you getting, Igor, if you, you know, if you drink a Corona, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't even know. I probably tap water. Tap water from Mexico. Well, maybe, maybe it is filtered to improve taste because they, they do, um, they do focus on the taste. I know like, uh, soda drinks and, and this fast food places, uh, like, um, McDonald's, Burger King, they have filters in there. Uh, so it's a whole other section of the water filtration business that deals with, uh, those types of uh, machines, so they do filter it, and uh, you know it's it's not as highly advanced as, for example, the systems we offer. But it is uh, carbon filtration. In many cases, it'll take out chemicals and chlorine that'll improve the taste, but it's not going to do much for fluoride and uh, radioactive contaminants and and some other things like heavy metals. That's what I wanted to also get into. Is you know, of course. We, you know, we've got the luxury of time on our side where we can get into some of these really potentially dangerous um, elements that remain in the water that we drink and bathe in. But I'm going to go back to the human filter, right? So I drink water, I urinate, defecate into the toilet. It goes into the LA municipal water system. 
it's cleaned and so that there's no more bits of poo in there and there's no right. <laughs> there's no living organisms. That's that's nice. And any other bodily fluids which may have been flushed down the toilet and I'm sure were at some point by the populace. But what about the things that can't be filtered out, like pharmaceutical drugs, um, psych meds, birth control pills? Um, what types of other things remain in tap water that aren't removed by, say, like, you know, going into a Starbucks and having their water be filtered uh, for the iced coffee that you get? Like, what other types of things sneak through that have come from a human body, per se? Well, cosmetic byproducts, there's a lot of chemicals that we use every day, like, um, you know, household cleaners and things like that. People just flush that down the toilet. I mean, what are you going to do with it, right? So you flush things down, and a lot of these chemicals remain. They, they mix with each other, they create other chemicals, byproducts, and so on and so forth. And uh, so you really, I mean, the more you look, the more you'll find. If you search for a certain chemical, chances are you'll find it in the water, even in the slightest degree, because it, water absorbs everything that we use. It's a universal solvent. And, um, you know, the laws that govern water filtration, they're not very accurate, and they only govern 100 or so contaminants, where there's really 80,000 society that are being used today, if not more. So, uh, and so it's not really regulating all those chemicals. So it's, the potential is, is huge for what can be in there. So the government's really looking just for the things they're required to look for. Right. So it, it's not as if, you know, the evil government is, is out to get us per se and poisoning us with the water. It's just, we're probably overpopulated. And in a city like New York or LA, it's just it's better than nothing, right? It's like, you know... It's better than nothing. It's, it, um, they're, yeah. they're doing the best they can. But sure. what about specifically, and, and, you know, and feel free to not offer any information if you're just unaware, but, but I have heard a lot of talk about in terms of uh, water that is reclaimed and, and recycled that there's a lot of drugs that people take that end up in, in micro doses in the water, whereas it's barely detectable. But if you're drinking thousands and thousands of gallons of water per year, or however long that takes, that over time you're bioaccumulating birth control pills, Prozac, et cetera. And not only each of those particular drugs, but the interaction of those drugs together where you have an mm -hmm. antidepressant mixing with you know, um, another antidepressant mixing with a birth control, mixing with, you know, acne medication or whatever the case may be. And you have this sort of uh, pharmaceutical soup that doesn't typically get filtered out because it's not something that needs to be disinfected. There are such minute amounts. Do you know anything about that specifically? I know that Associated Press did a study all across the major cities of the U.S. And they found uh, various drugs in the drinking water supply um, as far as their interactions, you know, I can't comment on that aspect of it because there are in, in really diluted doses. But, you know, uh, if you're talking about energy, uh, everything is on that level, uh, can have some kind of impact, right? It's really a subtle level. Um, and some types of medicines are designed to work at really low doses. So there's definitely an issue there. And it's already been proven that, you know, there are drug residues all across the country. And then actually in Europe, they've <laughs> National Geographic did a study. And they found traces of drugs like illegal drugs, recreational drugs, cocaine and, and, and others in the drinking water. So wow. maybe, they're, maybe they're a little happier over there. Right. I, I can picture like uh, a, a police, like a, a SWAT team is raiding a house, you know, like a drug house and they're 
flushing a pound of cocaine down the toilet. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Not to mention all the millions of people using illicit drugs and just peeing them into the toilet and that water being reclaimed. Yeah. Yeah, So right. So at you know at the big water facility in in L.A. County, they don't have a filter for cocaine. (laughs) Right. Well, I think in Los Angeles, I'm looking at the report, and your listeners can search Google for uh, annual water quality report, Los Angeles, and it'll come up, and you you guys could take a look because it's um, it shows you everything they're doing here. Nice chart, and uh, there is at one of the steps of filtration, they are using anthracite coal, which is a good thing. Coal isn't the best carbon, but it's better than nothing. So there is some carbon involved in the Los Angeles treatment process for the water. Now, coal-based carbon wouldn't be as good as coconut shell because it doesn't have the micropores to absorb all the drug residues uh, because the drug residues, they're really small molecular sizes. So you do need a coal-based carbon, but you know it's, it's not bad that they're using carbon at least in that process. Well, it sounds like it is uh, somewhat progressive at least, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're doing more than they technically have to do, you could say? Uh, I'm not sure what the law requires them to do, but I think they're doing what they're required. Right, um, right. The treatment uh, is also their ultraviolet disinfection. So that's another advancement um, that's been implemented or being implemented more throughout the country. So it's a funny thing when you, you, know, you travel to a country like Mexico, for example, as I mentioned in the, in the Corona example, and there's these phenomena known as, you know, Montezuma's revenge and just all of these sort of pathogens that you might pick up from drinking water that's not disinfected, going to countries like India, underdeveloped comp- uh, countries where sure. you can really get sick from the water. Again, on that spectrum, I mean, I would rather drink water with a bunch of chlorine in it than water that has, you know, microorganisms that are going to give me the runs for the next month and possibly hmm. kill me from dehydration. So, you know, it's it's the lesser of, of two evils, but what are the chemicals that are used to actually kill the pathogens? You mentioned ozone, and I know in, in LA, we use something called chloramine, which is is not very safe from my understanding. So how do they actually make the water clean in terms of getting those microorganisms uh, removed? Well, I'm looking at this LA chart here and they're using ozonation, like you mentioned, which oxidizes the uh, different organisms. Uh, they're using ultraviolet light, which uses a certain wavelength of the sun, 254 nanometers to be exact, uh, which is the wavelength that disrupts the DNA of the microorganism. And after that, they're adding ammonia mixed with chlorine. Uh, And the reason they're adding ammonia uh, with chlorine is because it stays in the water longer. Uh, Chlorine by itself would just evaporate uh, quickly, and so by the time it gets to your home, it might not be as effective. Uh, But with ammonia, it stabilizes it or actually makes it more persistent. And so, But it also makes it more, um, how should I say, stronger disinfectant. Uh, So it's not necessarily, you know, better than chlorine when you're drinking it, in my opinion. Right. And it's, I guess it's a really a combination of a couple different chemicals then, not just, you know, not just the chlorine, it's got this ammonia. And I've had ammonia, I think, in my house and cleaning products. And when you get a whiff of that stuff, that's not something that I wanted, (laughs) I want to be drinking. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty volatile. It depends on the dosages, of course, and everything in nature. Well, a lot of the food that we eat uh, has ammonia. Our body produces ammonia. So it's a natural substance, but like with anything, when you're mixing it with something else, uh, or when you're having certain large amounts or dosages, it turns it can turn into something that's not very good for you. 
Um, and think about this. Uh, if you're having this infection in your water that's killing bacteria in your water and you're drinking that into your body, now you also have bacteria in your body, which is beneficial bacteria, probiotics. And so what would the disinfectant do to the probiotics in your, in your digestive system? Because it doesn't really differentiate between good and bad bacteria. It's just designed as a disinfectant you know, all across the board. So if you think about it, it's, uh, it may not be the best thing for our flora in our intestines and our bodies. That is interesting. So in essence, water that's treated in such a way is acting as an antibiotic for the good biotics, the probiotics that we have in our gut, which of course, you know, in, in the health community and people that are savvy are really hip to that. I mean, I see fermented foods and drinks exactly. and probiotic supplements. Kombucha, yeah. yeah, I mean, I make my own raw goat milk kefir. I eat as much fermented stuff as I can. It just makes me feel a lot better. Um, but that's interesting to think that, you know, if, if it's killing those pathogens in a pipe system, you know, somewhere yeah. underground, that I have the same kind of pipe system inside my body running from my mouth to the other end, and anything in that pipe stands to reason would also be adversely affected by drinking that water. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, just common sense, I think. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, this is just makes sense to me that if you have a disinfectant, that it would have an effect everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it makes just common sense. And I'm by no means a doctor or even close to being a scientist. But as I said, kind of before we got on the call that this show and my whole stance on things just comes from a very basic common sense, um, nature based approach. And I just look at how things work in nature. And I mm -hmm. do my best without being a total nut or control freak most of the time to <laughs> follow those laws of nature. And that's why, you know, I started the call with you know, spring water to me is the top of the food chain. I mean, that's as high as you can go in terms of getting water. If it's from a nice, clean, pristine source, like uh, the water that I drink is. Mm -hmm. So that just tells me that, you know, nature knows best. And the more that we interfere with nature, the more problems we have. And so... Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with that. I, I also like to pattern nature. Um, I don't think I'm greater than nature, certainly. And so I look at nature as my guide when, you know, when I develop our filter systems. So how does, how does filtration work? And, you know, obviously you're selling something and I, I believe in your product. I've done my research. I've had clients get your products and I, when I own a home, I'm going to have a whole filtration system right now. I'm in an apartment, so sure, I sure. don't feel like filtering a fourplex for my neighbors. I'm not that much of a... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a, not a good idea. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be a lot of filters to replace. But, you know, that said, I, I really think that you're one of those people that just has a lot of integrity in what you do. And, you know, it's a family-owned business. And you seem just really hardcore when it comes to filtration. Whereas, you know, I know a little bit about about filtration and what, what some of them do. And, you know, I look at products on the market, you know, things you could pick up at Target that screw onto your sink and stuff like that. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But I mean, I have the feeling that a lot of the filtration systems, maybe it's better than nothing, but sure. it's not really getting out. It's not doing the heavy lifting. So how does a, you know, a filter mimic nature? Because when, when water comes up through a spring that's ripe at eight, 10,000 feet, the kind of water that I get, it's been filtered for however many thousands of years by nature going through these levels of sediment and rock and who knows what under there. And right. it comes out, uh, I've had the water that I drink tested and it's just absolutely 
free of any contaminants whatsoever. And nice. uh, you're lucky that you found that source. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's a there's a couple of them that are around, you know, and um, because people do have to be aware. Just to put a disclaimer out there, uh, there's a great site that my friend Daniel Vitalis um, launched a couple years ago. It's called findaspring.com, and you'll see in the notes of, of those springs that different fans of spring water. It's kind of just like a user generated resource and a map to find springs. And people will actually go get some tests done on the water. And sometimes the water, even in great springs, has been contaminated by uh, environmental pollution, industrial pollution. And sometimes even natural spring water is just really high in fluoride or things naturally that um, sure, in that yeah. concentration, you just don't want to drink. So I want to say, don't just, you know, pull over the side of the road and start drinking any old spring <laughs> to the people listening. But if, if, you know, if one is vetted and it's been in a community, uh, you know, or in a a state park or a federal, you know, on some federal land for a long time and all the locals have been drinking it and no one's keeling over, you're probably okay. <laughs> right, right. So how does how does a filtration system mimic the laws of nature to remove what you don't want to be putting in or on your body? Well, it's, uh, it's about the science of the different phases that the water goes through. Uh, now, first thing we want to do is get rid of the man-made stuff. Um, which is the synthetic and synthetic organic chemicals that are in the water, like you mentioned before, the drug residues, disinfection chemicals, uh, radioactive contaminants, uh, heavy metals, things like that. So the first step is to, you know, dehumanize, <laughs> decontaminate that water. Uh, that automatically brings it closer to nature, to its original state. And so did you want me to get into details of how yeah. the stages work? Okay. Yeah, I would. I would. You know, we, we have some geeks listening that I think would appreciate, you know, sure. a little deeper sure. dive into this. And I, I certainly am interested in it. Okay, well, I'll take our uh, three-chamber system, which is the ultra uh, countertop model that is our best-selling unit. So the first step, we have a uh, carbon block, which we call the super block because it's something we developed. It's an unusual because we have two different types of carbon uh, blended into one block and uh, they're not regular activated carbons but they're called catalytic carbon and catalytic carbon has been modified in order to react with chemicals that come in contact not only absorb them but to speed up their uh, decomposition so in a case of chloramine in the water regular car carbon wouldn't work you need to decompose and break that down catalyze that uh, decomposition so you need catalytic carbon to deal with that and so the t uh, two types of catalytic carbon uh, also allow us to have different pore structures. So, for example, coconut carbon has micropores, which are really great for certain types of chemical sizes like the drugs. Um, and, for example, uh, coal-based carbon has a larger pores, which are good for food dyes and other things that have a larger molecular size. And so by combining two different types of carbon, uh, we've achieved a much wider range of chemical removal. So we're not focusing just on, on the small chemicals, on, on all of them. Um, and also that carbon block is compressed into half a micron uh, pore size, which is quite small. I mean, the smallest bacteria out there ranges between like 0.1 to 0.8 or something like that. Uh, so, but it, it's small enough to stop microbial cysts. So bacteria may not, it may not be small to stop all the bacteria, but uh, microbial cysts, uh, they have a little hard shell, and those will be trapped by a half a micron filter. Um, bacteria, actually, they, they get destroyed by the disinfection process, you know, as the water comes to you anyway. So that's the first step. The second step 
would be our fluorosorb cartridge, which is a natural uh, carbon-calcium-based media that reacts with the fluoride ion. And so it causes it to adhere to the surface of the media and thereby it takes it out of the water. Uh, it's a lot better than activated alumina, which uh, you know, is a synthetic substance used by um, many different companies. It's cheaper um, and it's aluminum-based and it removes about 45% of fluoride in our testing. Our newest cartridge that we developed uh, for the fluoride removal removes about 94% in our testing. Wow. So that's quite a high amount. I actually even got it down to 100% in my test, but as you use it more, it starts to, starts to uh, drop. Um, so in comparison, you're not adding any alumina, aluminum, I should say. It's all natural. You're removing a lot more fluoride. Um, and the media also has uh, attraction for arsenic. Um, it also has attraction for uh, uranium, plutonium, um, heavy metals, and many other contaminants. So it's a very unique substance uh, that the water goes through at the second stage. Now, uh, now the water is more prepared to go on and become more, how should I say, nutritious. Um, and that's done by the third step where we have natural uh, minerals uh, like calcite, which is... Uh, calcium carbonate, that's, uh, that's what water goes through in nature. So when it rains, water goes through the soils, the riverbeds, and it picks up its natural uh, mineral ions, calcite being one of them. Um, and also we have natural zeolite in there, which absorbs strontium, cesium, and, and some other radioactive ions that are coming from uh, Japan and nuclear reactors in the USA. So that's uh, basically how the system works. That's cool. And I appreciate that you mentioned a couple of those things, which is interesting that I've at different times supplemented with zeolites, like eating zeolites and various uh, types of bentonite clay, as well as what I use most of the time now is an activated charcoal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so if I eat something a little funky or suspect or my stomach's just feeling a little off, uh, you know, I don't like to use the term like cheat on a diet, but I can't think of another way to say it. But, you know, if I just say F it, I'm, you know, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to eat some weird stuff because I just have a craving for it or I'm right. when, in, when in Rome do as the Romans and I'm somewhere and, you know, everyone's having this great dessert or something like that. And I know it's suspect. Well, I'll come home and take a couple of my bulletproof uh, nutrition, you know, activated charcoals. And so I, I'm kind of familiar with a couple of those mediums just as in a supplemental form because they work through that adsorption, right? Where they're, as you said, attracting. It's like they they become, uh, you know, attracted to one another, those different compounds, and then right. it grabs them and pulls them out of your body. So with a filtration system, what's happening is it's attracting this you know, radioactive material and then capture it within the medium of the filter, thereby allowing the water to pass through without that contaminant. Is that right? Yes, it's intelligently, we've selected the media in such a way that it's intelligently pulling stuff that's not good, that it's contaminants, but it's not attracting minerals. So if your water is mineral rich, the minerals are not going to be removed with our filter, which is often the problem with like, um, you know, reverse osmosis type systems or distillation. In this case, the water is being treated properly, which is you know, what I meant when I said we try to pattern nature. We don't want to interfere with the natural structure of the water. So the media either absorbs, adsorbs, which is, adheres to the surface. Uh, it exchanges ions, which is ion exchange, 
So in other words, if there's a stronger pull for one ion, the media will release, let's say, a sodium, a non-contaminant, non in exchange for absorbing, let's say, a, a cesium ion, uh, which is what the zeolite does. And so that's another process. And also there's something called KDF, well, which is kinetic degradation fluxion. <laughs> that's a mouthful. But it works basically like a magnet on an atomic level. And uh, it attracts heavy metals to itself as the water passes through. So there's a bunch of different um, scientific principles involved here. And they're all intelligently uh, arranged and placed in the right stages so the water gets treated correctly before it comes out. You mentioned a couple things that I wanted to also cover, and I'm, I'm glad you did because I didn't have them written in my notes. I, I usually keep a little cheat sheet up on the wall and I, I have about 10 <laughs> notes, but you mentioned a couple things I wanted to cover. Is what a lot of people, you know, people that I work with, clients, and you know, I say work with, I mean, I just, all my friends, I'm always the guy they come to, hey, I'm gonna get this, what do you think? Hey, I'm buying this, what do you think? And a lot of people are really into this RO water, reverse osmosis water, or distilled water. And I think there's a common misconception that that water would be a healthy water to drink because everything's removed from it. And, and my understanding of it, and I just want to kind of run this by you is with something like distilled water, you have essentially an empty pharmaceutical grade H2O where not only all of the contaminants have been removed, but everything beneficial in the water has been removed. Am I am I understanding that right? And what is the difference between a RO or reverse osmosis and distilled water? How how do those processes uh, differ? Uh, well, you're correct. Yes, the water is denatured essentially when it goes through those processes because uh, reverse osmosis, from from what I understand, was initially designed for industrial uses or medical uses where water without any ions was needed. Otherwise, those ions, minerals, or electrolytes would interfere with, let's say, um, circuit board manufacturing for a computer or uh, pharmaceutical uh, formulation or something like that. So uh, those systems caught on because, of, uh, as you mentioned, it takes everything out just about. There's some things that can still get through, but it takes out all the minerals as well and electrolytes. So what happens then is the water lost its natural buffers. It's been stripped of them. And it becomes corrosive, acidic. It'll corrode metal faster if it's uh, without its minerals. And there's research from the Czechoslovakian Institute that it can actually pull minerals out of the body. It's less thirst quenching. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's not the way water is in nature, and that's why it's really not in harmony with the body. Distillation actually differs in, in that, you know, it, it doesn't use a... Um, membrane that physically blocks these things, you're just evaporating the water. You're using a lot of energy. You need electricity to boil that water uh, into a vapor. And then it rises. Whatever is, you know, whatever is as light as, as water vapor or lighter will escape with the vapor and get cooled down and condense into the reservoir. And whatever is heavier than water vapor will remain you know, on the bottom which is minerals. Minerals will not evaporate. So, so the problem with distillation is, is that it has very energy intensive and it's time consuming. You have to wait <laughs> for a while. And also uh, there are some volatile chemicals like petroleum byproducts that can evaporate uh, with the water vapor. So 
uh, that's that wouldn't be the best approach, in my opinion, if you want good water. Yeah, there there was a period back in my early health days, my health exploration, where you know I wanted really clean water, and so I used to get um, Mountain Valley mm-hmm. water delivered, not not their spring water, but the distilled water delivered in glass, and you know this. Right. These, these trends come and go. And at that time, everyone was really hip. This is going back in like the late nineties when I was, you know, really just diving into all this stuff. And then uh, what we would do is we would reactivate the distilled water by putting say like for a five gallon, um, you know, uh, bottle, we would put like a teaspoon of natural, you know, unprocessed sea salt into the water to make sure. that water more alkaline and to remineralize it. And yep. uh, I think that, you know, if someone's listening, would you agree that if you insist on drinking distilled water, you should at least remineralize it and try and bring some of that, you know, nature's, um, you know, balance back to that water. Yes, that may be a good makeshift solution, but keep in mind, sometimes, you know, the minerals that you can buy can also be contaminated. Um, a lot of the stuff comes out of Asia and, um, they basically don't have very high quality controls. And so, Although the product can be manufactured in the U.S., right? It could say made in the U.S. or uh, something of that nature on the bottle. Where they're getting their raw materials or their raw minerals and how they're processing them, uh, that's a whole other story. So you may be cleaning your water with distillation or reverse osmosis, uh, but then you may be reintroducing uh, contaminants with the minerals. For example, calcium can be bonded with lead sometimes in nature and other contaminants or radioactive contaminants like uranium that are uh, of the earth. So it's really important to know the source of those minerals and preferably if they have some kind of analysis that they've done uh, to show that those minerals do not contain uh, heavy metals or or radioactive contaminants. Okay, cool. Good point. Well, I'm glad glad we covered that one because that's something that I hear a lot of people doing. Something else that you mentioned before when you're going through the filtration process was you mentioned a couple radioactive components <laughs> and and would some of those radioactive materials, which just don't sound good, I, I'm like, I don't think I want to put anything radioactive in my body because I'm probably full of it already just for my environment. But would those be, how much of that would be environmental and would some of that come from uh, human beings that are being treated with radioactive materials, aka, um, you know, cancer patients right. that are getting chemo, and they're putting their bodily fluids back into the water system, or even I'm imagining at hospitals. Can you imagine kind of the runoff? Oh yeah, probably wow. from all of the you know cleaning and and all of the disinfectants going on. And is that where these radioactive materials are coming from? It's that and a mixture of other sources. Uh, it's you know we have over a hundred nuclear power plants in the U.S. Most of them are over forty years old, and they're under budget. They're not sometimes they're not well maintained. You have one in San Onofre, California, that was just shut down. A couple of them uh, reactors were shut down. The tubes were leaking. Uh, you know we had uh, in in Pennsylvania there was a uh, fifty thousand gallons of radioactive water leaked into the river, um, and all this I have on my site on the latest news page. All these I, I have a collection of, you know, how, how crazy things are getting with our water quality. Um, so it comes from the nuclear plants. It also comes from natural earth deposits. So if you're on well water, uh, you know, you have to check for radon and uranium. Those are the most common natural uh, radioactive contaminants and radium as well. Um, and also from nuclear testing, nuclear disasters like Fukushima. 
uh, you know, so many different sources that, you know, we have to become aware that that's another contaminant that we have to deal with. And it's a pretty wide, wide scale. It's, uh, you know, we're surrounded by these sources. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, section on your website because I've geeked out on like a lot of those videos. And we're definitely going to link to that, you know, of course, in the show notes. There's a video that I saw in there, which brings me into my next topic, which is a pretty heated debate and I think a pretty, um, you know, politically charged one. The video involved a uh, fluoride spill and there was this, you know, truck, this mini tanker delivering fluoride to, I don't know, water municipality or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it, and it had tipped over or spilled or something. And it literally, it looked like something out of an, you know, an old earthquake movie or Godzilla movie where it's (laughs) like the fluoride uh, had leaked out onto the asphalt and essentially just eaten a giant hole into the asphalt. I mean, it's just like, it is some of the most caustic stuff out there. And you know, I don't know how many people listening to this are aware of this. I think a lot of people still think, oh, fluoride, yeah, that stuff that's in your toothpaste that's good for your teeth. And, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories around this whole thing. And uh, I think it's pretty much undisputed scientifically at this point that fluoride is not something that you want to be putting in your body uh, in at any level. So what yeah. can you tell us about what's harmful about fluoride and why the hell was it ever put in our water? Well, you know, a lot of things point to the fact that fluoride is uh, was put into the water based on pseudoscience that showed that it's good for the bones, for the teeth, um, at certain doses. Now, but uh, originally, I've, based on my research, it came as a byproduct from uh, pesticide aluminum industry um, that needed to be disposed of, and it's very expensive to dispose of hazardous waste. So the the sci- they made science to match what they believed, uh, confirmation bias, I believe that's what it's called. When you want to match facts to your preconceived beliefs, you, you find scientists to do that for you. It doesn't mean it's ultimately true, but and they've connected the dots in a way to prove that fluoride is good for the teeth because it is found in, in your bones naturally. And so they started instead of, you know, all these industrial companies, instead of disposing of it and paying to dispose of it, they started to make money by selling it and adding it into the water supply course it's very diluted so i mean it, you know if it burns through concrete that's that that was a concentrated form but when they add it to the water it's diluted so it's not it's it's not going to burn like that but it still shows you the uh, you know strength of this stuff even at lower concentrations what can it do let's say at a cellular level right if it's burning through concrete at a concentrated level um and so the the form of fluoride they're adding is usually fluorosilicic acid which is an acid, or uh, sodium fluoride, or some other mixture of forms of that, um, and so that's not the same as what it's uh, what's found in nature. Uh, in nature, it's usually calcium fluoride, which is benign and it's uh, harmless according to the research, whereas the stuff they're adding is a synthetic byproduct. Uh, so the people who think fluoride is good for you, uh, you know, it's calcium fluoride that may be uh, the the right form if you really need it, but uh, the um, the synthetic forms and the sodium form of fluoride. Uh, there's a lot of research showing that it actually interferes with various critical enzyme processes in the body. Harvard did a study showing that it can lower IQ, or potentially lowers the IQ of children. 
um, you know, even the world, excuse me, the U.S. Uh, health department lowered the recommendation of fluoride in the drinking water uh, this year. They dropped it down, I believe, to 0.7 from 1.2 or 1.3. So almost double, they sliced that number in half because they see the research. They see that uh, it's, not, it's not positive things happening from that. And if you want to put it on your teeth, that's one thing, but... Why would you take it internally then for your teeth, you know? Yeah, it's, it's not something that I want to be taking internally, especially after seeing that video. I mean, and there's just so much research. And what's what's really exciting, if you kind of follow, you know, the fluoride times, uh, as it were, there's a lot of major cities, I think Portland, Oregon, uh, uh, maybe it was last year, uh, actually, you know, won a case, a, a civil case to get the fluoride removed from their municipal water supply, and, and they did it. And I think there are quite a few American towns and cities that have actually fought against this and have succeeded right. to have it removed, which is really exciting because um, there's no conclusive evidence, as you said, that the science is pretty bunk, uh, which supports the idea that it's good for your teeth in any capacity, especially taking it internally. And, and there seems to be so much science to the contrary that it actually has the net effect of making your bones extremely brittle. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the study on the IQ, and this this brings me to the more conspiracy-based end of the conversation, and that is, you know, there's a lot of um, speculation as to, to why it's put in the water supply. And on one side, to me, it seems to be more of a financially motivated thing, because as you said, they, they have to get rid of this stuff, this byproduct, and why not, like, you know, sell it to the municipal um, agencies, right? So that they can, you know, find a way to get rid of it. Cause you, you yes. just, it's very expensive to find like a landfill to go put your fluoride in if you make sure. aluminum or weaponry or whatever the hell it comes from. So, but the, the other side of it is that when this practice of putting it in the water began was in Nazi Germany. And, you know, I haven't verified that fact. Uh, it's just like a meme. It's something that I hear over and over and over again, that that was actually the first time, you know, a government agency put yeah. it into the water and and the reason why was because of its effect um, in that it calcifies the pineal gland, which is the gland of having a lot to do with your IQ and your spiritual intuition and your own sort of sovereign yes. feeling as a human living being, right? It's third eye. There you go. So it's it gets really creepy when you start to think about, oh, well, you know, if if Nazi Germany was doing this to keep the, the populist docile and, you know, unintuitive, if it has that effect on people, then it gets pretty strange when you start looking into that stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't just believe anything I hear, but I'm very open-minded and I like to look at, at all sides of it. I mean, do you, have you seen any supported, supporting evidence as to when this practice started? Is that, do you think that's true? Um, you know, I haven't personally verified it to that extent, but there is some research that uh, some major George Jordan of the U.S. Air Force testified in Congress in the 1950s in this country, so about this particular issue, um, and he's basically, you know, saying that they use the fluoride in the water supply in the concentration camps. So um, I don't know how accurate that is, but this is the information I came across regarding that, and it's not too far-fetched because you know fluoride is used in antidepressants these days, like Prozac, for example. It's called uh, fluoxetine. F-L-U-O-X-E-T-E-N-E. -E -E. So the first four letters, F-L-U-O, is for fluoride. It's, <laughs> it's mixed with another chemical. So fluoride definitely has a role in some kind of mental effects, uh, which are known to, you know, uh, 
slow down the mind or maybe even stupefy the mind. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all we need in this country. <laughs> just More turn, of that, right? Yeah, I just turn. I like turn on TV every now and then, which I don't do a lot of. I turn on the news or something. I go, oh my god, we're all going to hell in a handbasket. So I, I would say for those of you listening, this is something if you're interested in these kind of things. I mean, if if you start googling around at uh, fluoride and watching YouTube videos and stuff, it's it's a lot of crazy information out there. It's definitely something worth exploring if you're curious. And you know, I would say it's probably good advice just to avoid that. I know I go to a dentist that's totally fluoride free. They did a cleaning on me the other day, and I I felt them getting out that little spinny brush, and I was like, hey, like let's skip the fluoride, and they looked at me like I was nuts. They're like we don't use fluoride anymore. Okay, good. I'm, Some I'm still believe that. Yeah, I'm Some at the I'm at the right dentist. You know, sure. so so you know we've talked a lot about all of the different sort of chemicals that that could end up in the water supply that are in the water supply, and it's pretty clear that you know we want to be drinking really clean, pristine water as much as possible. But I'd like to cover other ways in which water gets into our biology, such as taking a bath, going into a hot tub, and taking a shower. I have a, a good filter on my shower, and um, you know it, it does pretty well with the chloramine and um, some of the other things that we've talked about that are you know a bit finicky and hard to get out. But I mean, I pretty much won't go in a hot tub, like a public hot tub that's just tap water and chlorine and bromine and God knows what else. And I absolutely am not going anywhere near a steam room. You know, it's like, I see, I go to like this uh, place called Beverly Hot Springs, which is a an amazing geothermal natural hot springs in LA. I'll link to it in the show notes. Nice. Uh, but one day I, you know, I, I went in there and I asked them, I said, well, you have a steam room. Is the steam also that same untreated geothermal spring water? And they said, no, we use tap water for the steam room. And I'm like, well, I'm to me, that's like a gas chamber. Speaking about the concentration camps, I'm like, you're literally turning these volatile compounds into a, into yeah. a gas. So yeah. how, how, take us through a shower. Like what can happen if you're not using really good filtration and shower water? And is there a change in the way these chemicals get in your body through breathing and absorbing through your skin. Yeah, the the heat is energy. So when you have hot water, it creates energy and it dislodges certain molecules. It causes them to evaporate. And uh, you know, as we mentioned with distillation earlier, it's kind of similar. Uh, you have the certain volatile chemicals turning into vapor. Chlorine turns into a gas, um, and some others. Uh, so you're basically inhaling that, and that goes into the blood directly. And into the brain, uh, whereas if you're just you know sitting in in a bath, it may not be as direct as when you're you know breathing the vapors in. So that's that's definitely an enhanced way to absorb the contaminants, especially you know warm water, hot water. Uh, it opens up your pores more, and uh, so it allows those chemicals to uh, potentially get inside. So are are some of these compounds? more easily able to penetrate your skin when your pores are open and, and um, you know, the water's warm or the water's hot. And then are there some of them that are too big? The molecules are too big to penetrate your skin, but they get in you when you're breathing that steam in the shower. I mean, I get a feeling like all of the molecules are a different size and their yes. ability to infiltrate your, your body are based on that size. Like what, 
what are some that would be dangerous to turn into steam but wouldn't really get through your skin, for example? Well, it's hard to say because I didn't do specific research on the skin permeability of that. But I do know if they're in the air, uh, when you inhale them, you know, that goes into your blood. And those would be volatile chemicals like, uh, let's say, you know, benzenes, toluenes, you know, petroleum byproducts, uh, chlorine, uh, ammonia. You know, this is why your eyes get red when you go to a swimming pool with chlorine. It's because it's an irritant. And so, you know, as a gas, it's the same way. So all these things, uh, you know, I know that it goes into your blood if you inhale it. Now, as far as the skin, there is some slight research out there showing that different parts of the body, like, for example, the male scrotum can absorb more than, like, your hand. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'd rather have it going through my hand, frankly. Like, I well, feel like I don't, I don't skin, need, you know? I feel like I don't need my hands as much as I need my scrotum. <laughs> but, you know, it's it, where the skin is more tough, uh, you would, you know, you, it looks like it absorbs less. If it's the skin's more gentle, it could absorb more. That's what the research I've seen shows. So, I mean, overall, you can't battle it that way. You have to just deal with it, you know, before it even gets into your shower, uh, before it even comes into your home. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's, you're living in it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, I always get the feeling in the shower, it's like, I, I envision that your shower head is like a vape, you know, those things people like smoke now. <laughs> I quit smoking before they became kind of popular, uh, thankfully, because I really enjoyed the actual smoke. But yeah, it's like you're vaping all of these volatile compounds it just it's it's just a weird thing and you know i always get accused by friends and fans and whatever that i'm obsessed and crazy and none of this matters and you know what i am obsessed but i don't think i'm crazy i mean it's like sure taking five showers in the most toxic chemical laden water in the world you're gonna walk away from that fine but how about thousands and thousands and thousands of shower, showers over the course of your lifetime where you're bioaccumulating that when it's it's so easy to just put a filtration system on your house or even, you know, the second best option just on the shower itself. I mean, it's something you do once, you replace the filters every few months and that's just it becomes integrated into your lifestyle. It's not something that requires any effort, you know, and I think with a lot of the the life hacks and biohacks that I do to other people, it sometimes sounds like so much work or so extreme, but it's like to me, breathing in radioactive strontium or whatever you said, <laughs> I don't even know the name of it. Especially that, being on a West Coast over there. Yeah, that sounds extreme. You know, it's like, no, what's extreme is vaping, you know, 860, you know, chemicals for 15 minutes every time you want to take a nice hot shower. That's extreme. Whereas, you know, ordering a product online takes five minutes, uh, it gets delivered and you call a plumber, they go put it on, cost you a couple hundred bucks. Now all of the water in your house is safe to bathe your newborn baby or your, your um, you know, if you're a pregnant woman, you, you, you're not getting that stuff into your body for your, you know, your newborn. And, sure. you know, you're keeping your whole family. You can cook with that water now. It's safe. You know, it's it, you're cooking a potato that's soaking up a bunch of water. I mean, that's the weird thing too, is like, it's not only drinking and all the drinks that we covered, but I don't think people realize how much water gets into their food is, you know, things like vegetables and starches sure. and stuff. When you're cooking it in the water, to me, it's like you're using, say, a, you're really healthy and you're eating your sweet potato, but you're cooking it in tap water. That sweet potato is actually acting as a filter 
that's soaking up all the crap that's in the water and yeah. then you're eating that quote unquote healthy sweet potato when it's just, it's so easy. I mean, you know, it's a little expensive. If you're doing a whole home filtration, you're looking at what, like thousand to $1,500, depending on the size of the home. Is that approximately yeah. right? Well, it's, it's $1,400 for our city water system and 1149 for a well water system. It's, there's systems out there that are a lot more expensive uh, than this and don't do as much. They don't, for example, they don't filter the radiation out of the water, which is uh, one of the innovations that we have in our units. Right. So it's like, you know, looking at things in terms of that context, to me, it's actually very practical. And then and then you don't have to obsess about it because you just don't worry about it. And, you know, if I go out to a restaurant and I order some Tom Kakai soup at a Thai restaurant, I know that's tap water. And you know what? It's okay. I know I'm going to die anyway. I'm not trying to live forever. <laughs> It's no big deal. I'm going to enjoy that soup. I'm not going to think about the toxic lead and mercury and chloramine and everything else in that soup. I'm going to enjoy it and I'm going to give it good energy and blessings and it's going to be fine. But if there's a few minor changes that I can make along the way so that say 75% of the time I'm dealing with really clean water and then I can go live my life and not worry about it if I, you know, want to go into a gas chamber steam room at the gym or something because it just feels good for a few minutes. It's it's not the end of the world, but it's like I'm I'm making these small incremental changes. So that's yeah, why otherwise I, it becomes too much. I mean, if you think about how where contaminants can be, I mean they're everywhere. And then you're living a life of fear and worry, and that's not good for you either, right? So you gotta be able to balance that and having clean water when you come home helps, you know, your body uses the water to clean itself, right? Like, so if you had a, a day of, uh, you know, um, gas chamber sauna or something, <laughs> or if you actually had some food in a restaurant that doesn't really uh, do all organic or something, you know, you come home, you drink some clean water and you give your body ability to, to clean itself with something clean. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and it's such a good point about, you know, just being insanely obsessed about all this and these are all stages that I've gone through and so many of my friends have gone through where you're, you're scared to leave the house because, you know, all of these poisons are going to get you and you can't eat anything because everything's bad for you. And it's just a really, it's, it's a, it's a prison to live like that. And yeah. I, I have experienced it. So, you know, I, I, I totally want to put that out there for people that, you know, my objective with this podcast and with, with the work that I do is to actually give people more personal freedom and to find more freedom for myself and, Freedom has to do with not getting a degenerative disease when I'm 55 years old and ending up on dialysis or chemo or God knows what else, arthritis. So it's like all of this is preventative medicine and has to be taken, I think, with some a sense of balance and a grain of salt and implement it as possible as needed for the long-term net effect of just having a more free, vibrant, healthy life. And, you know, I look forward to the day when you know, if this life comes to an end and, and my time has come, I don't have any problem with that. But I would really prefer to not be an old, decrepit, you know, diseased man as I begin to age. I would really like to live, you know, my life for the duration and in, in the best health possible. So, you know, these little incremental steps that we can take, I think are just so important. But, you know, you're so right. We do have to keep, you know, a balanced perspective about it and not be too, too crazy obsessed. Yeah, yeah, because then you're stuck. I mean, you, you may be living healthy, physically but mentally you're a mess right you're you're scared you're tense you're worried all the time and then you have more problems so absolutely well i think that's a really good point to end on igor and uh before we do wrap up the show i'd like to ask you a three-part question and the sure. question is based on your life experience and your research and your areas of interest and study 
What are your top three books, philosophies, gurus, teachers that you go to that you might recommend? I know I've learned a lot from you today. Uh, what could we study if we want to take our life even further? Well, I'm big on the spiritual aspect of life also. Um, I think that a lot of our problems uh, come from false beliefs and errors that we make in our minds, in our lives. So we need wisdom. I'm a big fan of wisdom. So a uh, few of the uh, teachers or gurus or, you know, um, how should I say, enlightened people who I follow, uh, uh, one of them is uh, Muji. That's M-O-O-J-I. And he has some beautiful videos on YouTube that people can watch. Um, and another uh, person is uh, Phineas Parkhurst Quimby. And he lived in the 19th century in this country. And he actually cured like Jesus did. And he explained how it can be done. He actually wrote it down and, and taught others. Uh, and there's books you can buy on him and, and study that. And uh, another one I, I say would be uh, Eckhart Tolle, which you may, most people may be familiar with. Eckhart Tolle, um, you know, teaches the presence, being in the moment, being in the now, focusing your energies on what's in front of you rather than past or future. Helps you be more calm and enjoy your life better. So those are the three, I would say, most influential, with Phineas Quimby being number one. That's number awesome. And, I, and I'm so surprised that I haven't heard of the first two. I, I always think like, oh God, I've heard of everyone by now and read every book on that subject. So I'm going to definitely seek those two out. Of course, Eckhart Tolle, I'm very familiar with and love, but uh, thanks yep, for too. thanks for two new ones. And I love that you just took it right away to the, to the inner work, which I think really is ultimately what this is all about. I mean, I, I've known people that, you know, shop at Costco and eat fast food and, and they live you know, maybe they run into some physical problems, but they seem to be very happy because they're so spiritually centered. And I think their spiritual work and efforts and sometimes in some cases even supersede, you know, an amazing diet and, you know, drinking oh, yeah. clean water. It, it really is about your state of mind and, and state of emotion. And uh, studying the greats like that has been what, what has turned my life around. And, and not only Same studying, here. but, you know, applying it, reading the book, and then Doing living what it. that person did, living it, yeah. Not yeah, just... And that's what caused me to create a great product too because I was influenced by all these teachings, all this wisdom, and it helped me get the focus, the harmony with nature, the, the passion for it. So this product that we offer is actually a product that came from, from my own personal uh, evolution as a human being. I really appreciate that. And speaking of product, and as you know, I'm a huge believer in what you guys do. So let's um, get your links out. Where would you like people to go to find out more about what you do? You mentioned your resource page, which I love. So give us your URL or anything else you'd like us to know about. Sure. The website is uh, Pure Effect Filters. There's two E's there, pureeffectfilters.com. And we have a lot of interesting information there on the water news page. Um, I could, like I said, those collection of articles that deal with water quality all over the country and the world. I have a frequently asked questions page where there's a lot of interesting information, uh, videos and so on. So, uh, and we make these ourselves. We're not a distributor or a reseller. Uh, these systems are designed by us and developed. All the cartridges uh, are proprietary. You're not going to find, you know, anything like it uh, in other places. If you do, it may be a knockoff, but this is all a product of my passion. And, uh, 
And you could see all that on our site. We get really detailed. We explain how everything works, what it's made of, and so on and so forth. And I'm always happy to answer uh, questions if people have it. I personally um, speak to each customer and answer their emails or live chat, whatever more convenient for them. Amazing. Thank you so much for the information. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining us on the Lifestylist Podcast, Igor. Thank you, Luke. It's been a pleasure. What was that sound? Oh, I think that was the sound of your mind being blown. Having just realized after this interview that you might have been drinking condom-laced tap water for much of your adult life. Sad, but true. But hey, there are those who know and there are those who don't know. Aren't you glad you know? (laughs) A wise man once told me. So I was thrilled to bring this episode to you. And of course, there were tons of links mentioned during the show. And I want to make sure that you get them. So there's a couple ways you can do that. You can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. The hard way is going to lukestory.com and looking up this episode with Igor Malevsky. It's called uh, What's in Your Water? I think it is. And then you'll have all the show notes and links and everything we talked about ready for you. But there's a much easier way, of course, and that is your episode upgrade. The episode upgrade, as I mentioned earlier, is a beautiful four-page PDF that I've put together just for you and anyone else listening. You're special, but so is everyone else. How do you get the episode upgrade emailed to you directly for fun and for free? You do this. Go to lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist14. Go to lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist14. Enter your email and magically it will appear. I promise. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes. Don't trip. It'll be there. Okay. So once you get that, I'd really love for you to share that with a friend. And while you're at it, why don't you share this particular episode with a friend that you know pounds tons of tap water or perhaps cooks with unfiltered water or showers without a filter. We have to protect those we care about from the evils of municipal tap water. It's part of my life's mission. God forbid anyone's like drinking that stuff. That's a whole other episode that we'll do on the benefits of spring water at some point in the near future. So share this episode. And while you're at it, go to your device or your screen, whatever you're hearing this on, and click subscribe, please, to this show so that you don't miss any episodes, including next week's show number 15 with Mr. Ben Greenfield. And Ben and I discuss how to biohack the ultimate home, how to safeguard your home and make it not a home, but really a safe haven. His happens to be out in the woods in Spokane, Washington. Sounds amazing. It's a great interview. With that, I will close, and I just want to thank you so much for going on this journey with me. We're up to episode 14 now, and I've been getting amazing feedback on my website, on Facebook, on Instagram. Everyone's reaching out, asking tons of questions, and just showing their appreciation, which really honestly means so much to me from the heart. Real dog. I really appreciate it. This is my dream to be able to share all of the stuff that I've discovered and continue to discover with you, the listener. So I thank you. Today's show is proudly sponsored by Fountain of Truth Spring Water, the only source of fresh, raw spring water delivered in chilled glass jugs to your doorstep. Sourced from legendary Opal Springs in Oregon, Fountain of Truth Spring Water is loaded with the four primary electrolytes, is naturally alkaline, filled with the Earth's probiotics, and is abundant in the rare beauty mineral silica. Home delivery is currently available to most areas on the west coast of the United States. 